the invasion of Janine was a failure. Thousands of people are said to have been made refugees again. 12 Palestinians killed, more than 100 were injured. The occupation used airstrikes and a ground invasion, cut off Janine's water and electricity media, refused to even use wording that Janine is an occupied city. If they acknowledge Janine has been occupied by Israel in 1967, they have to deal with the consequences the people of Janine have the right to resist. That's a position of international law. Israel, as an occupying power, has no right to claim self-defense as part of its occupation. The opposite is true. Palestinians have every right to resist an illegal and permanent occupation. Do not interact with Zionists. It's much cleaner. It's like using a bidet. The Israeli apartheid police received a request from the French police to help them deal with the protests that have swept the country since the police shot and killed 17-year-old Nahid. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gaz and Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you tripped over an IED in Janine. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional podcast per week. It's called the Patreon Pod, a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We are also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. Did we just jump into the Palestine Pod? We did. Or are we doing the Patreon No, pod? we jumped in. And the reason for that is that when there are moments like this, yeah. it's hard for me to start with the Patreon Pod. I hear you. I just wanted to be clear about my <laughs> editing pattern. It's mostly a note for me. Please yeah. continue. Are you fine with starting with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> no, tell me you guys go on any good walks recently. <laughs> Are you? I'm fine, I guess. That's like the best I can do. Fine, I guess. Fine, I guess. Good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has not been a great couple of days for Palestine. I'm trying to find the silver lining. They're celebrating over there. So. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. But it's still hard to see the mainstream media take the Zionist propaganda and run with it as if it were truth and fail to exercise the slightest bit of scrutiny on the statements that they make when they are so obviously false and refuse completely to contextualize Palestinian lived experience. We saw so many reports and interviews with mainstream media that refused to even use the wording that Janine is an occupied city. And I know, of course, why they do that. Because if they acknowledge and admit that Janine has been occupied by Israel since 1967, then they have to deal with the consequences of that occupation. And the consequences are that the people of Janine have the right to resist that occupation. That's a position of international law. But of course, they don't want to go there. Because if the people of Janine have the right to resist, well, then everything that the Israeli narrative says, which is that we are here to defend ourselves, we're exercising self-defense, well, all of that falls away. So they don't even go there. 
it's just easier for them to regurgitate Zionist copy. The media has, as they often do, run with a pro-Zionist narrative about defense in Janine. Janine, of course, understood to be Palestine by literally everybody in the world. So when you say you're defending yourself, but you're on somebody else's land, and even to begin with, you're on somebody else's land, the argument lacks any real integrity. And we all know that, right? We all know that they will just murder people and then call it defense. Um, that's what they named their murder army, right? The defense army, even though historically they've been pretty offensive. You know, right? that's so interesting. We've never actually analyzed that because in most countries, the army is just the army. Right. Not this one. This one is the defense army. Yeah. It's the army against the dark arts. Wow. And, you know, that's like, you know what that is? That's a symptom of overcompensating, right? So well, it's, it's branding. Like, yeah. It's branding from before the get-go. Like, because what is the IDF except for the terrorist organizations that committed the NECBA actualized in a state body? No defense. It's what they've always done, which is murder and displace Palestinians and then lie about the status of what's happening. But it, it, it's very much that psychological phenomenon where you are very aware of something, but in order to deflect from it, you sort of overcompensate by trying to use particular language. But in doing yeah. so, you end up drawing more attention to the issue than than otherwise would have happened. And it's very, very curious. They had to go to the extent of labeling their army as such when clearly like it's exactly the opposite. And they do it as well when they're like, we're the most moral army. Yes. Bro, nobody claims morality in the army. No, there's no army that's like, we're moral. You know what I mean? Like armies are like, we kill people. Like These regular, folks, regular yeah, armies. Regular schmegular armies <laughs> who are not super brainwashed and weird are like, no, no, no. We kill people. That's what we do. Right. right. That's right. the job of the army. But right. not these folks. The Zionists over there at Insane HQ, those guys, they are like, no, no, no. We're moral and we're peaceful and it's for defense. And if you say anything otherwise, we'll attack your character. We'll attack your house. Brainwashing and branding that's built into the system itself. Yeah, it's it's really spectacularly insane when when you when you put it like that, but that's what it is. Until now, 12 Palestinians were killed in Janine. More than 100 were injured. The occupation used airstrikes and a ground invasion, and it's particularly of note that Typically, the occupation doesn't use airstrikes on the occupied West Bank, right? They only do so on Gaza because Gaza is a prison where they know that there are no settlers and they can just pummel it with airstrikes and it doesn't really matter, right? But this is quite unusual for the, for the occupation in recent years to be using airstrikes on Janine. The invasion of Janine this week was the largest invasion of a Palestinian city since 2002. They cut off Janine's water and electricity supply. I saw them actually... Uh, bulldozing entire roads so as to trap the citizens of Janine in their buildings, in their apartment buildings and homes. It stops ambulances from getting to the wounded as well. 
Yes, which they did do. It was reported by organizations like Doctors Without Borders, who even reported that they opened fire and used tear gas on the Janine Hospital. There's a very important Twitter thread by Doctors Without Borders about how they themselves were targeted in these in, in the, the occupation's invasion of Janine. They attacked journalists. It was all caught on film, how they were going after journalists who were taping the incident of the invasion of Janine. They also attacked the Freedom Theater, where Palestinians were literally in the Freedom Theater live streaming the attack by the occupation. There is so much footage related to this latest invasion. You saw Palestinians with their arms up, literally walking out of Janine. Thousands of people are said to have been made refugees again, keeping in mind that Janine itself is home to Palestinians who were made refugees during the Nakba by this very same entity, right? The pre-occupation forces that were at that time the Zionist gangs that carried out the Nakba. And that's how they ended up in Janine in the first place. Now you see them in very eerie photos and videos, which look all too similar to the Nekba of 1948, holding up their hands and walking out of Janine. I saw images of young kids, toddlers crying, screaming because they're having to be uprooted from their homes in the middle of the night, confused, not knowing what's going on. I saw a young Palestinian girl holding her rabbit, explaining how the occupation is firing at her house and the house next door, talking about how she had to hide to stay safe. And all of it is being justified under the guise of quote-unquote self-defense. Now, we have to be very clear, because the mainstream media won't say this. Israel, as an occupying power, not only has no right to invade Palestinian cities, but has no right to claim self-defense as part of its occupation. The opposite is true. Palestinians have every right to resist an illegal and permanent occupation, which has been ongoing since 1967, by any means necessary. That is the law, and that is what's morally right, because nobody in their right mind would accept that a foreign occupying invading army comes to their neighborhood and starts bulldozing the roads and firing on hospitals and kicking people out of their homes, and that you would just be like, yeah, that's cool, that's fine, we're good with that. Nobody would accept that. And Janine has been at the forefront of resistance, home to the lion's den, where we covered the story of Ibrahim Nabosi. That was the last time that they drone bombed the West Bank was with a strike where they murdered freedom fighter Ibrahim Nabosi. I saw U.S. politicians, congressmen tweeting just totally gross APAC written tweets. Richie Torres from New York tweets. Yeah, I know. You're shaking your head as if like, why am I even bothering? And we know what we get. Hey, bitch. <laughs> We know that he gets massive money from APEC. It's all public, guys. Like, you don't have to, you know, it's all public. Look it up. Look up how much money he accepted from APEC. So understand that when he's tweeting, it's not him tweeting. It's APEC tweeting through him because they purchased him. Uh, you misread his name, by the way. It's well, Bitchy it? Torres. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, what is it? <laughs> So what is what does he tweet? He tweets the Palestinian Authority has all but abandoned Janine, leaving behind a power vacuum that's been filled by terrorists. In the past six months, those terrorists made Janine a launching pad for shooting attacks against Israelis. Israel is responding with a counterterrorism operation aimed at surgically removing these terrorists and their terror infrastructure. Can we take a moment to dissect the language of surgically removing? Yeah. And you know that, that that's a Zionist that wrote that. Like, you know that it's Zionist propaganda that writes that because that's Zionist, how they talk. It's a Zionist who watched Training Day and stole it from Denzel, <laughs> where he's like, I'm surgical with that bitch. 
<laughs> is that a Denzel quote originally? Damn, it's, that sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, it's okay that Denzel said it, right? But right. then it's weird that Zionists are like, we're going to take that and use it against real people. Denzel see, was doing it against yeah. act, like a, a movie, right? It's a It was make-believe. Exactly. They use that terminology because that terminology is consistent with the propaganda of being moral, right? Because if you do something surgically, then you're sure to have only done what is needed to, you know, accomplish the, the goal, the target. And it gives the implication that whatever happened was done cleanly, surgical. You think of like, you know, yeah. making making sure that there's no germs, yeah. you know, what is it when you kill the germs? What, what's that yeah, called? You sanitize. Yeah. Your, you think you think it like sanitize. It's literally like sanitized. Scrubbing up for exactly. a surgery, getting, you know, with the soap and they wash like 20 times yeah. and then they have the nurse fit them with the gloves. That's what you're imagining. Yeah. Meanwhile, the only way that this is surgical is if it's like one of those surgeries where they leave a wrench behind. <laughs> yeah, like in your body. They, they, yeah, they like sewed up a wrench inside and then they're like, no, the wrench is temporary. We'll take it out. But then it doesn't and it just starts to grow. Right. The wrench overtakes your body. And I now like, like you're all infection. metal. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. It, it fucks up. your. It starts to stab your spleen. And it's like the, the wrench is like, I have a right to self-defense. And it's like, you're a wrench inside of my body. Yeah. You shouldn't even be here. Yeah. So I want to read a little thread from Al Shabaka Policy Network, which is a Palestinian-led organization that's commenting on the implications of this operation in occupied Geneva. They write, this operation is about mowing the grass, an Israeli military doctrine that basically means wreaking havoc on Palestinian areas, causing so much death and destruction. It's sick, inhumane, and criminal. Al-Shabaka also argues that Palestinians in West Bank cities are fast discovering that if their expulsion won't be possible, Gazafication will be their future. Think about that for a second. Because why are they doing all of this, right? What is the purpose of all of this? The purpose of all of this is to get more Palestinians out of their land so that they can replace them with settlers, which is not like us project, you know, just imagining things. It's exactly what they've done so far. It's actually the most reasonable analysis possible because it's consistent with 75 years of history of their actions. So when we say this, we're like, yeah, they've been doing it for 75 years. So we're not exaggerating our lived experiences for 75 years, which are telling us that what they are doing is they're trying to remove all the Palestinians from Palestine. And if it doesn't work, then these enclaves where Palestinians live that are going to continue to get smaller and smaller are going to be faced with much more force and much more violence from the occupation, and that that violence will resemble the violence that Israel is currently carrying out in Gaza every couple of years, including airstrikes, right? So now we're going to see more and more cities occupied in the West Bank that are going to be hit with Israeli airstrikes, more and more enclaves that are going to be subject to the same kind of action that Israel uses in Gaza, which is all war crimes. Then, Shabaka goes on to say, the military op operations in several cities in the West Bank suggest a shift in policy towards the Palestinian Authority in line with the Israeli strategic doctrine of establishing Jewish sovereignty over the entire land of Palestine. Right? They're just doing it out in the open now. The Biden administration has leaned into its role as a complicit enabler of the Israeli occupation to the point that it has all but abandoned even symbolic talking points of supporting a two-state solution or calls for calm. He's been twiddling his thumbs in a corner, not really saying anything about this. Whereas like in the past, the U.S. would maybe muster just a few words about the two-state solution, you know, while this type of 
invasion and violence was being used by the apartheid state. What we are seeing is a joining of forces between Israeli settlers in uniform and Israeli settlers in civilian clothing, attacking Palestinians under the false manipulated discourse that this is a response to a Palestinian militant operation. Because remember, in parallel, last like, like we reported last week, in parallel, settlers are rampaging numerous cities in the, Palis- in the Palestinian West Bank, going city by city, lighting houses on fire, lighting cars on fire, trying to kill Palestinians. And they are doing so with the full protection of the Israeli occupation army. So these attacks that are now being carried out by the occupation army and the settlers in parallel are happening with the same stated purpose. You have, but but it's, it's, it's settlers both times, but sometimes they're wearing uniform and sometimes they're in civilian clothing. Sometimes they're like, damn, I forgot to take off my uniform. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same person. Yeah. The it's the same. <laughs> Thank you so much. Felt like I had to explain it. In addition to forcibly displacing the Palestinians who live in Janine, uprooting their lives and making their existence a living hell, this latest invasion on Janine is consistent with the occupation's attempt to defang the resistance, right? The They are targeting the lion's den in a way that is their attempt to stamp out any long-term resistance. It's not going to work, right? What they did was they have displaced thousands more people in a way that makes it easier for the occupation to then target the remaining people in Janine who they presume to just be resistance, right? Because when they start to rain down drone bombs on the city of Janine, the occupied city of Janine, they'll be like, oh, well, it's just the resistance that's left. That's what they did in Gaza as well, right? Where they're like, the entire place is Hamas. They're going to do the same thing, but just say the lion's den with the occupied city of Janine. And every time they rain down a drone bomb, what they're going to do is they're going to inspire six, seven more people to pick up a gun because there have been studies about the U.S. role in the drone bombs in Afghanistan, Pakistan, everywhere. And what they have found is that when you murder somebody and their family, you radicalize them. The force behind the murder of a person's family is often the reason that they are led to whatever, you know, resistance cor- course of life they choose, whether it be resistance through violence or however they choose to do it. So look, at the end of the day, the operation in Janine, the invasion of Janine, was a failure for the occupation. Because as you said, what did they accomplish, really? Except give incentive to a new generation of Palestinian resistance fighters to continue to resist their completely unjust living situation. Yeah, the people who marched in the middle of the night with their hands up after being held at gunpoint, those people now will no longer be in Janine. Those people will grow up and want to resist and it's like they want to they want to say like oh if palestinians stop like it'd all be over but that's 
not no, true. If we, we know, were, yeah. we know that that what would, what would happen is they would take everything as they've tried to do many times. We would right? the massacred. only reason that Janine, the only reason Janine refugee camp exists today is because they have a history of resisting. It's because they shot back. That's the only reason Janine stands today with any type of autonomy. It's the only reason Gaza stands today and has been blockaded for nearly two decades now. Yes, absolutely. Because Palestinian resistance is the only thing preventing the occupation from finishing the job that they started 75 years ago, which is to take all of our land and remove all of us from it, because that's the goal. And the only thing stopping them from doing that is the fact that we resist. Precisely why resistance is so important. Not only because it's our legal right to do so, not only because it's morally correct, but also because it's the only reason that Palestinians haven't been completely erased from Palestine. It's the only reason that the entire genocide operation hasn't been considered successful. And I've seen a lot of analysts make the same commentary, saying that what's happening in Janine is just an attempt to crush Palestinian resistance to Israeli occupation, and that so long as the occupation continues to kill Palestinians and steal their land and subject them to apartheid, there's always going to be resistance. Because we see what's happening in areas where they don't have the ability to resist. Look at Masafariyata, right? Masafariyata has no guns, they have no organized resistance. And what's happening over there? They're being bulldozed. Their schools are being demolished. Their homes are being demolished. They're being forcibly displaced. There is absolutely no reasoning with an insane nuclear power. And so resistance is the only response that makes sense. It is, because at the end of the day, Israel has no business being in Janine in the first place. They don't have a right to be there, much less drop bombs on Janine, much less invade Janine, bulldoze its roads tear gas its hospitals. But that's the premise that nobody is willing to grapple with when Palestinians, if they're lucky enough, are invited on mainstream media platforms to discuss the situation of what's happening in their cities. If they're lucky enough, we'll get a Palestinian voice, right? Some, oftentimes we're discussing, we're not even in the room. But if every once in a while, we are, we are invited. And when we are, we're often treated with this, okay, but you know, the army says this. And so... What do you have to say about that? And this is why when you talk to a Zionist, they'll tell you, no, the West Bank is not occupied. It's not occupied because technically... It's say, Judea and Samaria. And they'll say, technically, we didn't occupy it from a state. So technically, it can't be occupied because at the time, it wasn't a state. But hold on. The only reason it wasn't a state was because you invaded Palestine with force and seized it with force. And then you were accepted into the UN on the condition that you allow all the Palestinian refugees to come back and that you not change the status of Jerusalem and that you don't transfer members of your population to the occupied territories, all things which you have completely violated. They saw those prerequisites. Then they were like, that is a to-do list. They said, okay. They said, okay. And every, yeah. every day since the founding of their state, they've been in violation of all of those conditions. Arguing with a Zionist is like, is like arguing with a toddler that tries to get out of things on a technicality always, you know, and it's not arguing with a Zionist is like trying to fist fight a waterbed yeah. where it's like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I think I'm hitting it for sure. But it's like I'm being sucked in as I'm putting energy into it. And that's what we say is do not interact with Zionists. It's much cleaner. It's like using a bidet.
<laughs> and please, everyone, use a bidet. Nora Adeka tweeted, a nuclear power screams defense as it pummels a besieged refugee population with aerial missile strikes and ground invasion, bulldozing entire neighborhoods because of young men armed with guns. This is settler colonialism in 2023, the elimination of a people with the intent to replace them. In the aftermath of the invasion of Janine and the withdrawal of the occupation from Janine, the occupation actually bombed Gaza today. Yeah. You didn't even hear about that, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, they did. But it's also only 12, and I really haven't been on the internet much today. Well, it's 10 p.m. in this part of the world. So according to Al Jazeera, Israel bombed Gaza following Janine assault. No casualties were reported, but nevertheless, it's not like that should be the norm and that it's only troubling if they murder Palestinians. It's troubling that they continue to pound Gaza with airstrikes at their complete discretion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even about murdering people necessarily as much as it is just instilling fear, that constant fear that bombs might drop that disrupts one's life and one's mental. Yeah. And there's also this fear then it's like okay is this going to be just this one time or is this going to turn into a, a month-long thing where they do this every day and so it's just enough that it continues to instill fear and paralyze two million people paralyze the right. entire population because they all know because they've lived through all of the assaults that take place every year every two years where hundreds thousands of people are killed it's literal violence and psychological violence yes also the occupation has a stockpile of bombs that they have to get through. Otherwise, they won't get new bombs. So they are just sending stuff away. I just want to share the account of one of the individuals from the Freedom Theater of Janine. He wrote a he wrote an op-ed in The Independent entitled, My daughter has been crying nonstop since the Janine assault began. All around me, the refugee camp is filled with frantic, panicked families, the rubble of destroyed homes and tear gas. And I think... On a human level, sometimes it's hard when, when we're talking about things like this, an invasion, you know, where 12 people are killed, 100 are injured, you know, to really understand on an individual level what that does to an individual family and the thoughts and the fears and the anxieties that an individual family or a person is experiencing in that moment. And to know that this individual who's working at the Freedom Theater has a daughter who has not stopped crying for a few days now it's tragic. It's completely tragic. Anybody who has, you know, who's a parent or or who has young siblings knows the innocence of a child and knows that like that kind of trauma, what it can do to a child. Yeah. Well, the occupation is a safe haven for pedophiles. So not exactly the most sympathetic to children. Netanyahu has said that this raid will not be a one-time event. So again, you have promises of more death, more destruction coming our way. At the end of the day, nobody's stopping them. The money keeps coming. So why, why does it matter? He says that Israel will continue as long as necessary to engage in military operations in Janine. So it's a promise to every single person in Janine, all the young people, all the toddlers, all the babies, that your life will not be normal. Because you're Palestinian and you're on your land. And that's a problem. Because we are here to establish a state for a group of people only that you're not a part of. And it doesn't matter that your family has been here. It doesn't matter that they've been here and they've been on this land for generations and generations. It simply doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're a child. You don't have the right to live in security and grow up in safety and, and pursue your dreams. You don't have that right at all because you're a Palestinian child. 
So how could you possibly think that you would have the right to grow up as other children do? Yeah, the Zionists are like, you got to get out of Janine because we have to put in a sex dungeon for people from Connecticut. Sounds legit. Sierra Club workers in the Progressive Workers Union, PWU, just passed a historic Palestine solidarity resolution by a landslide 86% of them voting yes on the resolution. The resolution commits to concrete actions to supporting Palestinian freedom, including investigating union finances to ensure they are not tied to apartheid Israel, educating members on the ties between Palestinian and indigenous struggles in the U.S., protecting all workers of marginalized identities, including Palestinian, Muslim, Jewish, and Black workers. It also includes a commitment that the union will actively oppose any workplace practices that contribute to the colonization and oppression of Palestinians and other indigenous peoples everywhere. Looking at you, Sierra Club Israel Tours. This is in their own statement. PWU, PWU represents hundreds of Sierra Club workers. In May 2021, a dedicated group within the Sierra Club formed the Palestine Solidarity Group. This group was established in response to two major events, the escalated Israeli violence during the Palestinian Unity Intifada and the Sierra Club management's decision to reinstate nature outings to apartheid Israel, despite promises to indigenous Black, Palestinian, and Jewish-led partners that they would cancel the trips to follow through on their anti-racist commitments during the 2020 uprisings. This decision to backtrack on their commitments was widely condemned within the Sierra Club itself and severed many key relationships with BIPOC-led organizations. This vote is so significant because it proves the Sierra Club executives are out of step with the workers who are leading the fight for true earth justice. Isn't that a nice heartwarming story? Yes. But also yeah. it's like, oh wow, the executives of a huge multi-million dollar charity are out of step with the workers? color me surprised who's one of the executives you know what i mean like kissinger like what who's on the board of the sierra club right is it former cia like a guy's name uh michael something from the cia i don't yeah. know people on the cia i don't yes we've covered him because he had like a wine thing going on in palestine oh that uh, guy <laughs> Oh, Mike Pompeo? No, yes. not Mike. Mike Pompeo? Yes. He's not in the CIA. He's the Secretary of State during Trump. Dude, he was the director of the CIA, bro. <laughs> okay. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? I know him as the Secretary of State under Trump. Are you fucking kidding, bro? Yeah, okay. The well, man yeah. was the head of the CIA, and you're you know like, oh, funny? that's the guy That's the guy who took notes for Trump, right? <laughs> Like, you know, no, that's the guy who was feeding Trump notes. <laughs> what's funny is that in order to figure out what you were talking about, I Googled Mike Wine CIA West Bank and it, and and it came, came up. up. It, Mike Pompeo makes his story. That's what I'm talking about. West Bank settlement. That's what I'm talking about. And talks about his yeah. winery. Yeah. Who the fuck Pompeo is on the board? Wine. Who's on the board of the Sierra Club? Mike Pompeo? <laughs> <laughs> took us like a really long time to you know just i'm leaving it all in well, i'm leaving it all in <laughs> everybody gets to see the journey of how we got there 
other one-liners we played like here. the worst game of word association <laughs> west bank winery cia like ugh. uh yucky gross yeah it's like a guantanamo mad libs right i want to share a story no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I want to share two stories, actually, that are related. So some of you might have been following the news in France about how uh, protests and uprisings have erupted in the last couple of weeks due to the police killing of a 17-year-old French-Algerian boy. So a video was circulated on social media of the French police holding a semi-automatic rifle and pointing it into the car where Nahil was driving in the and seated in the, the driver's seat. The French police officer says to him that he's going to shoot, he's going to shoot. And he does shoot Nahil. Eyewitnesses in the car then came out and explained how prior to being shot, the police officer had actually punched Nahil several times in the head and that the reason why he started to drive away was because he was dealing with the shock of being punched and his foot had slipped from the brakes and the car started to move away. This killing has obviously reignited a lot of the anxieties and realities of France being very much this colonial entity, which has refused to wrestle with its colonial past and provide actual equality and justice for its former and current colonial subjects. But I don't want to get into a full analysis of what's happened in France, but I do want to point to two very interesting developments that have to do with the apartheid state related to the killing of Nahid by French police. The so, occupation actually came out and said it was justified in self-defense. Did they? No. The oh, fuck? <laughs> I don't know. No, but I mean, like, I have to keep explaining my jokes to you. <laughs> it's because they could have said that, Michael. They could have easily been like, we stand with the police of France. Like that would Honestly. be totally appropriate for them. Yeah. So no, the two things I want to share are that it was reported by the French, uh, a French news outlet that the Israeli apartheid police received a request from the French police to help them deal with the protests that have swept the country since the police shot and killed 17-year-old Nahid. Literally, by fax, they received a fax, the apartheid state received a fax from the, the government of France being like, hey, um, since you guys are so good at like managing protests, can you like tell us what to do? Because they're like burning shit down and like we don't know what to do. According to Israel Today newspaper, the Israeli Police Commission received a fax from the French police to inquire about how to manage the crisis they are dealing with, end quote. For the leaders in technology, why do they still have a fax machine? I don't know. I think that's how governments like talk to each other. I don't know. <laughs> that honestly <laughs> sounds like it's something out of a Monty Python sketch. Like they like, faxed I don't, I the don't message. Know. They I don't know. Like, if there fax... wasn't a carrier pigeon available. Like what's going on here? I don't know. But the whole point of this is that Israeli apartheid is bad for Palestinians, but it's also bad for disadvantaged people all across the globe who are being subject to state violence and tactics by their own oppressors who have 
liaised with the apartheid state to try to understand how to be better at oppressing. And this is consistent with previous stuff that we've covered on the pod before, talking about, you know, the connections between the U.S. police departments and the occupation and all sorts of other connections between the occupation and oppressors worldwide. We've talked about it extensively, but this is just one of the latest manifestations of it. So I thought it was interesting. That's that's the first story. So when the French police they were asking the occupation what to do with all of these protests. And the occupation got back to them and said, what you're going to want to do is download this app. It's called Pegasus, okay? <laughs> you're going to want to set up checkpoints all over and then just start shooting people randomly. And, and the like, French police were like writing it down. They were like, we, we, we. Yeah, because... Even since then, they actually shot and killed another individual. And so the French police are actually pretty good at taking direction. It's actually not their first time listening to Nazis. No, it's actually not. And that's, you know, for anyone who knows your colonial history, they've... Come on, that was a banger, dog! <laughs> the second story I wanted to share was a report by the Times of Israel, which says that Israeli police are going to study how the France riots unfolded, pointing to worries of local unrest. The police commissioner in the apartheid state orders its force to examine what caused extreme reaction by French demonstrators amid fears of further communal violence in Israel. So now they're talking about in 48. So, so now the apartheid state is studying what happened in France because they want to prevent the same thing from happening in 48. Yeah, they should read a book about Algeria. They should read a book about colonialism and what happens when you murder and oppress millions of people and why they might then have grievances against you. They're like, no, 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 we understand that. How do we kill those people? No, but literally the first <laughs> line of this article, it's so, it is so tone deaf. The first line of this article is the Israeli police will study the fiery rioting that has swept France in recent days to learn how it developed. You kill a million and a half people? that they're not going to be like super thrilled about that. That just shows you like how they're like closer to robots because they're like, we need to study what's obvious to mostly everybody. Like, <laughs> oh, you murdered my family. I'll be upset. I'll probably take revenge. They're like, hmm, we ought to investigate that. We ought to uh, do some, some research. They killed over. 1.5 million Algerians between 1954 and the 1962 War of Independence. 1.5 million. So if you have like a just query about what could have possibly caused the unrest when the police kills a 17-year-old boy at point-blank range during a traffic stop and fires at him, and then in the aftermath raises over a million dollars to support his own legal battles, you really are bordering much more robotic vibes than you are human vibes. Because it's just, I don't know what it is about colonizers that they think that their objects and that the people that they oppress are supposed to just be totally cool with being genocided. What is that about them? And they really don't understand that like you don't want to be genocided. People are like, AI took my job. It's like AI took all of Palestine. And, you know, people people refer to Algeria as the land of a million martyrs. When Nahil was murdered by French police, he was added to the list, yes. right? It's not like it was disconnected. It's not like people don't see the continuation of the colonial process 
you know, he's an Algerian kid who was murdered in colonial France. Yes. And, and so, his neighborhood, like all other neighborhoods wh- where there are predominantly North African and, and sub-Saharan African immigrants, are over-policed, subject to police brutality and violence all the time on a daily basis. They are the, they are the subject of slurs um, and, and deep racism. I mean, literally, there was a video that came out of a mother who stopped one of the French police in the street. And she literally said, he was 17. How could you? That's what she said. And the response by the police officer who was unrelated to the incident, but who, who who she, you know, asked this question to said, go back to Africa. Right. So that tells you everything you need to know. They don't see black people and Arab people in France as equals. They don't see them as as citizens of this country, even though they do have full citizenship and should be protected by the law in the same way as a French person of European background they see them as completely inferior and that is totally and perfectly consistent with the french colonial project which has existed for hundreds of years and obviously helped to establish colonial rule in palestine we know about the sykes pico agreement where the leaders of the british empire and france agreed about which parts they were going to take over and france was like we'll take lebanon what is now considered lebanon and syria and the british were like we'll take palestine fucked up for a colonial officer to be like go back to africa when the only reason they are in france is because of colonialism Khaled Beydoun tweeted france which doesn't have a single gold mine ranks fourth in the world with a reserve of 2436 tons of gold mali a former french colony has 860 gold mines and produces 50 tons of gold annually but has a reserve of zero it's very simple if you don't want immigrants in your country don't colonize one third of the world this colonialism i mean it's still very much a present-day reality a lot of people don't know this, but many of France's former colonial subjects, currently countries now, independent countries, are required through a colonial pact, which was agreed many years ago to pay money to France today, still to pay a colonial tax to put the majority of their foreign reserve into the French central bank under the French minister of finance. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars every year that are being added to the French treasury. And yeah, the our- French the French used to occupy Haiti, right? Now Haiti pays France. For what? And they're paying for freedom, basically. I mean, like, they're paying for the wages that were lost as a result of a enslaved rebellion that was successful. Where is the Better Business Bureau when you need them? Yes. So this is also equally outrageous, but this is a separate issue, but it's also equally outrageous. Yes, you're absolutely right. Haiti was required to compensate its oppressors, France, and their and its oppressors' descendants for the privilege of being free. And it took Haiti more than a century to pay these reparation debts off. And it's like, yes, the reparation was being given from enslaved people and their descendants to the former slave owners and their descendants as compensation for not being able to make people slaves anymore. And it took Haiti more than a century to pay these quote unquote debts off. 
pretty crazy, right? And I bet most people don't know that. And I bet most people don't know that France continues to collect taxes from its former colonial subjects and has an immense grip on them economically. And, you know, you you wonder, like, why are these countries poor? They're not poor. They're not poor. They're very, very rich countries. They're extremely rich in minerals and in resources. And it doesn't show because all of that money gets siphoned back to their former colonial masters. And that's why France is a rich country. It's not because it has anything. It has nothing. The only riches it has, it has acquired through theft and through injustice, like these examples that we've given today. Like everything in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please, please just walk, walk, just take a walk in there and be like, hey, why is most of this stuff not from France? Yeah. What part of Africa is France? <laughs> Colonizers are weird, man. They're weird. They're really weird. And they're 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 the ultimate gaslighters. They're like, hey, like, please stop enslaving my people. Like, we just want to be free. Like, you're free. So can we also be free? And they're like, we'll study that. And we'll make you pay millions and billions of dollars. Sound good to you? And we'll probably still make sure that your countries are totally unstable and prop up puppet dictators to keep your societies weak. Sounds and like a deal. We'll definitely steal all of your resources with like phony agreements that make sure we get everything and you get nothing. And then we'll slander you in the press. Yeah. Uh, and we'll actually, definitely... it's libel. We'll, we'll commit libel against you in the press. <laughs> And we will uh, definitely be make super sure they... racist to you when you're here yeah. in our country. Right. Like for, we'll probably murder you also. Yeah. And make sure you can never achieve economic prosperity by, you know, for example, outlawing the hijab in public places so that, you know, educated Muslim women don't have an option. Right. What could be the issue, honestly? Honestly, you guys should be pretty thankful that we're even talking to you. You should be grateful to be here. Otherwise, get the fuck back to Africa. Right. Oh, also... I'm not from here. Also, I'm in Africa, too. <laughs> See you there. Where did I get this gun from? <laughs> Wait, who are you now? I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Wait, this reminds... We've gone too deep. I don't know who I am. <laughs> Let's end the episode before okay. I find out. <laughs> Folks, that's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Doo -doo -doo -doo.